0: Communications disruption can mean only one thing. Welcome, everybody, back to another episode of Jammed Transcriptions. This is chapter three of uh, the book review pod that I do within Jammed Transmissions. Um, And you know how difficult that can be for me to say because it's a lot of S sounds and shushes and all of that kind of fun stuff. Um, So first, I just want to give a quick thank you to Eric Strathers for jumping in a few weeks ago. Yeah, we had a great time. Thanks everybody for listening to that episode. Um, and as I haven't really done episodes regularly the last few weeks, uh, I do want to acknowledge that here we are in the month of June. It is Pride Month, so you know I just want to say Happy Pride to everybody out there uh, listening. I want to say um, Happy belated Father's Day to all the Father's Day that uh, listen to the show, uh, myself included. I will say Happy Father's Day to me, even though it was last week. And um, I want to extend uh, some Juneteenth um, acknowledgments to a lot of folks that are listening as well. So, um, guys, a lot has happened over the last couple of weeks. We're not really going to talk newsy stuff, but there's been some casting stuff for the Acolyte that I've seen and lots of other announcements, comic book stuff that uh, things are going to be coming out pretty soon. And we will talk about those things in due time. But today we are going to talk about a book that came out a few weeks ago that is tangentially related to Star Wars. It is not a Star Wars book. Um, So I would not blame you if you don't want to listen to this episode because it's not Star Wars. Um, But if you are interested in Charles Soule's latest novel, The Endless Vessel, that's what we're going to talk about today. Um, You know, these book reviews, I try to keep them to about a half an hour um, so I think that's kind of be what we're gonna do today. We'll see how things go. Um, so yeah, let's just get into it. Um, the Endless Vessel by Charles Soul was released on June sixth of this year, twenty twenty three. Uh, it was published by Harper Collins, and it was part of a Kickstarter that Charles started uh, a few months ago. And <clears throat> the Kickstarter uh, reached its goals pretty quickly, I think, within the first day. But along with the The book itself, um, there was um, an exclusive cover to Kickstarter with art by, I believe it's Jama Jarbeev, uh, who does beautiful work, has done some Star Wars covers. Um, and came with another book called The Chronicles of Lazarene. That' to my knowledge, the only way to get this book was through the Kickstarter and The Chronicles of Lazarene is related to the events of the endless vessel as it kind of exists within the story of um, within this book. So um, there's lots of cool stuff to with the Kickstarter, some artworks and things like that. I did not back the Kickstarter, um, got the book on my own and just to put this out there um, as I have gotten some review copies for star Wars books, this was not a copy that I was given as a review. This is a review that I wanted to do on my own because I think it's worth Uh, a little bit of discussion. So most of us or just about all of us maybe know that Charles Soule has written a ton of star Wars stuff. Um, He's one of the architects of the high Republic. He wrote the, uh, the initial book of the high Republic light of the Jedi, which is a fantastic read. Uh, He's going to be writing the final book of the high Republic in phase three called. um, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> it's it, it escapes me right now, but it's like um, Trials of the Jedi, I think is what it's called. I think that's the, the name of that last book that comes out in a while. We got some time for that as phase two of The High Republic is ending. Um, but Charles Soule has also written a ton of comic books, uh, both in and outside of Star Wars. He's written She-Hulk and I believe Daredevil and uh, The Death of Wolverine. Um, and then the Star Wars titles going back to the wonderful Lando miniseries. Uh, the Podameron Run. Um, I'm probably going to forget a couple of titles that he's written, but he's done a, a ton of stuff. And I believe he's actually like a creative director now for Lucasfilm Publishing, something like that. He's got some kind of official title like that within the publishing side. He's a busy man. Um, uh, I had the chance to meet Charles Soule in March at C2E2 in Chicago. He was great to talk to for a couple of minutes. He signed a bunch of stuff for me, something like 12 comics. And I bought a copy of 8 billion genies. Um, and you know, he's, um, my man don't stop. He's been, he's been writing pretty heavily, uh, for the last couple of years. He's got a couple of other books called, uh, the Oracle year, and I'm forgetting the other one offhand, but for me personally, this is the first non-Star Wars. Charles Soule that I've read since the death of Wolverine. Um, And at the time when I read the death of Wolverine, I did not know who Charles Soule was. Um, Now I do. And uh, I happen to enjoy a lot of the stuff that he's written. Um, And this book uh, that we'll get into has some things that I absolutely enjoyed. And a couple of things that uh, maybe didn't hit as well for me. So let's talk about specifically what this book is about. Okay. So the endless vessel is about the world. Um, I don't want to say it's like post futuristic or anything, cause it's very much tied to the world as we know it now, um, and historical events and things like that. But essentially there is a, an illness that is spreading around the world for lack of a better term called the gray and the gray presents itself almost like a depression, but it's a little bit different. Um, It's not, uh, it's not your brain chemicals. It's not depression as we see kind of clinically as it's talked about in our world. Now it's something else that is not so much contagious as it is transmissible. So I believe something like 20 or 30% of the world at the time, is infected by what they call the gray. And uh, there's three stages to the gray. Or not three stages, but three types of it. There's just a general kind of malaise where you are almost catatonic. There is um, a very kind of just uncaring, unfeeling version of it. And then there's this weird, joyous version where people are just very happy-go-lucky and unfeeling of consequence, uh, we'll say. And different peoples around the world are affected by this thing uh, in in different ways. And the world in and of itself, because of this, is a vastly different place than the world that we live in right now. But there are some very, very stark similarities between the world of this book and the world that we live in. So the book opens with uh, the Louvre in Paris is on fire. And there is kind of like a a night guardsman who's there, who's walking through and kind of you're hearing his thoughts, talk about some of the paintings and how some things will survive and some things won't because of protective glass and things like that. Um, And he unlocks, I believe it's the Mona Lisa and walks out on a window ledge with it as the, the museum is burning. And there's a crowd of people outside who are basically chanting and he allows himself to be burned up with the painting. Uh, and it's basically uh, the mission of this is to say, like, the old world doesn't exist. Don't worry yourself about the uh, the trappings of the past. Uh, live for today. Live for now. Don't let yourself be by uh, don't let yourself be weighted down. By the burdens of the past and and the world is yours today and you can do with it what you will. And that sentiment uh, is kind of a byproduct, if you will, of, of the gray. And there are these, for lack of a better term, terroristic acts that have been happening around the world at different times uh, to kind of show um, this uncaring that's kind of spread uh, amongst all of these different peoples all over the place. Now, from there, the book goes to Hong Kong where we meet, um, Lily Barnes and Lily Barnes is essentially, she's the focal point of the entire book. And she is a materials researcher, uh, for this company and they, a device comes across that is essentially a carbon scrubber that can, uh, basically heal climate change, heal the world. And it's a very ineffective, in, inexpensive way to do it. It's this world-saving device uh, that comes across her path. And since the company that she works for um, now has this prototype that they can use to help save the world, her job becomes obsolete and she um, is essentially fired. She's let go on the spot and she's given a hefty severance and all of these things. But her world is drastically different now and because of it there's these worries about her falling into the gray as things are changing for her but there's something about this device that seems to be uh there's something about it that she notices that intrigues her and not just because of what the device is but because of how it's made and that sends her on this journey to what's called uh, the wonder path and it's kind of this path of discovery the secrets of the world and the histories of the world and things like this. And it's uh it's very, very intriguing. And she, there's a little bit of jet setting and she kind of, she meets a musician by the name of Peter match who um, they use their plane to get to England where she's from as commercial flights are not uh, safe anymore. Um, one of the ways that the gray is potential. is uh, um, most effectively spread is through like videos or audio, um, that people hear, um, that, you know, directly affects them and they, they fall into the gray. Um, and we see this happen a couple of times throughout the book through, through different characters. And we'll get into some spoiler stuff a little bit for this book, um, about the, some things that happen towards the end of the book, but I'm going to stay away from that for right now and just talk about, Some of the things in this book, um, what it's about, what it says about the world, some of the characters and kind of maybe their motivations. So we've met Lily. Um, we find out that her father, um, died when she was maybe, I forget, she was very young, but, uh, she has these, this memory where her father saved her from drowning when they were on like this fishing trip or something like that. And she, um, greatly misses him, but because of his absence, you know, her life took this path that um, kind of broke her family. She's estranged from her mother. She doesn't talk to her. Obviously her father's gone, but um, the, the family unit is disrupted and she is, you know, she's on her own. She's off far from home. Like she's in Hong Kong. She's separated from the life that she knew. And that's a very central tenet of what this book is. This book has a lot to do with um communications and relationships and how we interact with each other, um, how we are connected through devices, but that ultimately can be the thing that keeps us the least connected to each other in a pure emotional sense or in the sense of real relationships. And to think about the way the world has been over the, the real world has been the last couple of years with uh, you know, COVID lockdowns and things like that, Um, it's very easy to see the parallels between this book and the world that we live in and the state of mind that Charles Soule might've been in as he was writing it. You know, we see more and more people get, you know, they fall into internet rabbit holes or our lives are becoming more digital. Um, You know, there's lots of ways where a lot of us do, Experience the real world. We go out and we do things. We have our family, our friends, things like that. But we seem to be increasingly more living in this digital space where real human interaction is uh, suffering, for lack of a better word. There's, you know, empathy seems to be falling um, because things happen through a screen, through our phone, through a computer, through a TV, and not always directly in front of us. So it's hard to feel empathetic to something that doesn't always feel real uh, because it's not something that's immediately tangible. And this book addresses that and becomes kind of the, the central factor of kind of what the gray is and how it spreads. You know, people start to not care um, and it becomes something that is medical in the sense of how the gray affects people's mindset and their bodies and things like that. But it's also how they air quoting contract it, you know, it's through, you know, YouTube videos or it's, you know, sunk in or through um, speakers on airplanes or, you know, hidden in TV messages, things like that. So that people uh, move to solely text-based internet searches where there's no images and there's no videos, you know, embedded in things um, because it's just not safe anymore. Um, uh, You know, you want to take the risk of contracting the gray, then, have at it. And when you do contract the gray, you know, things are not great. So the third, um, type of the gray, this kind of, you know, happy go lucky, um, effectiveness is the basis for our antagonist, uh, whose name is aunt Jane and aunt Jane is kind of the leader of the, I think they're called like the joy, joy club, or they're, they call themselves joy boys. And she gives all, gives all of these instructions to destroy things, but um, not necessarily to kill people or hurt people, but to get people to disconnect from the tangible things that uh, give us culture or history, things like that. So you know, we find, like I said, the building the the Louvre is is burning. Other things happen. I guess you know, it's mentioned that there was an attack on the Statue of Liberty at one time. Um, and it's it gets to a point where as these things happen, it's become so normal that society groups of people around the world, they start having what are called pity parties. And it's a way for them to be connected with other people and not get lost in the doldrums of the actual world and how bad things have actually gotten. Um But there is still that thread of the gray seeping into everything that we do and changing our mindsets and our personalities and things like that. Um, The discovery of this device with Lily um, and what she finds out about it, she eventually steals it and she finds out that it was designed initially by a company called Calder and Calder. And it sends her on this kind of history quest to find out what this company is what they've done in the past um who they are because she can't find too much about them but this is when she finds the wonder path she finds that there is this uh kind of society of people who have kept the secrets of the calder business and some of the things that they've done over the last almost 300 years 250 years or so and this second part of the book deals with the calder family in the 1790s we meet molly and Apollo Calder. And they start off as like this textile merchants and they start this business and things. And eventually they leave Boston and they build a ship at a time when it's not really profitable for them to do so called the Lazarene And they leave land essentially. And throughout the course of the ship's history, they gather these intelligent peoples who live on the ship and they do all of these wonderful, wonderful, and wondrous things in the names of technology and science and medicine and, and whatever, um, but they live separate from the land. And every once in a while, they do something called an intercession. And throughout the course of the book, you learn that there have been fifteen intercessions um, over the lifespan of the Lazarine from 1796 or so to the present day of the book. The first of which, I believe, is um, finding a cure for smallpox or like a vaccination for smallpox. Uh, And the reason why they do so is because a scientist that they wanted to have aboard contracted smallpox before they can get to him. uh, And they were basically saying, never again, we need to find a way to gather the most brilliant minds um, and have them come with us. And it sets the Lazarine off on its journey over time. Molly Calder has this mission. Apollo Calder dies. Um, and this is kind of what sets Molly and the Lazarene on its mission. She asks this question of a of a thinker of her time whose man his name I'm, I'm forgetting right now. But it becomes it became a very central focal point of the book at least for that part. She very plainly asks this man, "I want you to solve death." And essentially the thinking there is that the belief is that death is not something that is, um, unreachable for lack of a better word. Her husband dies and she, there's the belief that when you die, you transition into something else and that something else can be contacted and communicated with, and there's things that can be learned from it. So that is the initial quest of the Lazarine. Um, And we start to find out that on their quest to solve death or have these breakthroughs that other things come from it. All of these other scientific and medical, um, breakthroughs happen because of it. And this is the part of the book that it slows down a lot. There's a lot of like a little bit of cat and mouse and chasing and stuff like that in the parts with Lily and Peter with this part, the pacing is is different, and I think it may be intentionally so, just as a framing device for the way you know it's a different world at the time, and, and um, they're more isolated because they're on this ship and things like that. Um, but eventually, it goes back to the story with Lily and Peter, and a lot of the secrets there. So I'm going to give you kind of a a like my thoughts and what I enjoyed about this book, um, and whether or not to recommend it to you. And then I'm going to get into some spoiler talk uh, about some things that maybe didn't vibe with me so well. So overall, I did enjoy this book. Um, I'm not going to do like ratings, like out of 10 or fives or stars or whatever, but I will say that the book is um, fun. Isn't the right word, but it is an adventure. There's a lot of like twists and turns and very surprising moments that happen in the book. Um, A few of which that maybe go like, Oh snap, like, just like out loud, you know, I listened to this book um, at work. I did the audiobook, book uh, and it's written, I'm sorry, read by uh, Barry Krennic, I think is her name. Uh, she's a, uh, a t- credited writer. She's done some small activists, but she's done a ton of audiobooks. books. Um, and the, what I liked about this book most, I have to say is what it says about kind of the current state of the world and how we communicate and what connectedness really means, what, um family can mean um how we interact with each other what's most important uh in our lives and how we struggle to maintain focus uh even in the darkest of times and that's something that happens in our world i mean doom scrolling is a thing that we all do from time to time and it is you know can be detrimental to our mental health um and I think if you find yourself in that world of doom scrolling, um, you know a couple of things can come out of it. Where you're either completely desensitized to all the bad things that happen in the world, and you just stop caring, or um, a depressive state can kick in because it will never the feeling of it can never get better may become a very real thing, um, and that can affect you know how we view the world. Or there could be that third happy-go-lucky um i don't care about anything i'm just going to go on and live my life and have fun because eh, what the hell why shouldn't i um so those those three facets of the gray I'll start to feel that much more real um in that sense and it seems like there's a lot of ways that we see that in the real world um how real people treat each other uh you know in in the names of politics or any number of things um Empathy seems to be a thing that is uh, uh, on the decline. Depending on how you perceive the world, we know that there's good people in the world. We know that good things happen. We know that there are em- empathetic and sympathetic and, and helpful people that are out there. These stories surface from time to time, um, but you know the, the 24-hour news cycle of the world doesn't do much to bolster the human spirit, if you will. You know, I mean, there's lots of changes that are happening in our world daily almost. And it's always presented in the framework that the world is on fire. It is nothing is ever going to get better ever again. Don't even bother. Um, but there's always reason to bother. There's always a hope out there. And I think that while it's not always expressly said in this book, I mean, it's very present that there's always going to be a tomorrow. Um, there can always be you know, another sunrise, there's always another reason to continue, uh, no matter how hard things get. And I love the messaging behind that. Um, I did like the pacing of this book. The The first and third parts flew by very, very quickly. And like I said, the second part, um, that follows the, the journey of the Lazarine itself. Um, it's a little bit slower uh, and I don't say that as a negative, it's, I just, I think that's deliberately done. Now, like I said, with the Kickstarter, um, that was offered, there is the book, uh, a second book that came with it called the Chronicles of Lazarine that to my understanding is just that, you know, it talks about a lot of the discoveries and the peoples that they've met, um, over the course of history on the Lazarine and in this novel, in the endless vessel, um, I think Benjamin Franklin is in this book and de Gama, and there might be a few other historical names that are in this. So it kind of skirts the world of like f- historical fiction. I am like very strongly air quoting that only because there's real names that are involved in it. So, um, do I recommend? Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, this book is, is, has its merits. Um, now I can't talk about some of the things that I, didn't love so much without spoiling something. So if you don't want to know some of the specifics, this might be a good place to jump off. Um, If you've read this book and you want to continue with me, cool. Um, And if you haven't read this book and you kind of don't care, and maybe you will read it, maybe you won't read it. That's all up to you guys. But from this point forward, we're going to talk about some spoilers about some things later on in the book and maybe some stuff a little bit early in the book as well. So final warning. Okay, so it turns out, and this was a big, one of those gasp moments for me, that Lily Barnes' father did not die. Um, he, his death was faked, and he lived on the Lazarene for 17 years. Um, Lily and uh, Peter Match, the musician, singer who has throat cancer and doesn't talk uh, much, are brought to the Lazarene. And, uh, they meet her father and this explanation is given as to why he walked away from the life that he had. And, um, you know, for Lily's part, she's clearly angry because it broke her family. You know, she lost sight of who her mother was, who her, who she was, um, that they were no longer together anymore. And it, um, it destroyed everything for her. And it was one of the reasons why she ended up going to Hong Kong. She couldn't bear to stay where she was in England. And um, it it changed everything. But one of the discoveries that the Lazarine made, uh, they are these doors that essentially open up to different dimensions. Right. So this book, while it being like this adventure, you know, chase born identity kind of a thing ish. Um, there's this heavy sci-fi element that comes into it. And Molly Calder, who back in 1790 lost her husband, um, again, wanting to find a way to talk to him. Um, one of the discoveries that's made is the second door and it opens to a place called the, the echo lands. Um, and the echo lands are It's this world that is all trees and far off in the distance, there's a hill with a bright white light on it that can never be attained. You cannot get to it. They try to walk to it. They send drones out to it. It's always on the horizon. They can never get there. And you come to find out that the echolands have to be protected in the eyes of the people who now live on the, on the last that has grown much bigger than the original sailing vessel that it was in the beginning. It's now this technological behemoth of a ship that can, you know, remain hidden at sea for however long it needs to. But each of the trees in the Echolands represents a life that has lived on Earth. And the estimation is that there's been 120 people who have lived throughout Earth's history. So there's a tree for every one of them. And the trees can be... um, summoned, like if you think about somebody really hard, their tree presents, you touch the tree, you can feel all their memories, see their memories depending on where you touch on the tree, things like that. Um and the hope for the people of the Lazarene is to find other brilliant peoples who are no longer alive and mine their histories and you know try to learn new things from them that you know weren't written down or things like that. Now at this time, the Lazarene is also aware that the world as they know it in the book is ending the actual world. And so they plan to leave, um, the known world and go into one of these five doors and live their lives there. Um, finding other truths and answers to things or whatever. Um, and they give up on earth, uh, even with the vast amounts of knowledge that they have. So the question comes like, what happens to these doors to, to these, um, Entrances to these other places and the idea of, of protecting them has been key. But a lily comes to discover that these trees, many of them are intertwined or connected because they represent families or friendships or just the people that we've interacted with throughout the courses of our lives um, for all of human history and the value that's in that. And that's the one thing that is lost in the real world. Um, so her father takes her into the echo lands, describes all of these things to her and gives her the ability to see some of these trees and connect with them and see lives and things like that. And in a big shocker moment of the book, uh, Peter is with her and kills her father in the echo lands, shoots him in the heart. And that's where I believe his name is Frederick, Frederick Barnes. He dies for real this time. And this is one of those moments where, the actual act itself was kind of shocking, but the person of who Peter was for me was a little bit predictable. Um, and I don't say that in a negative. I think, you know, there's just intuitive reading. You know, you may come to these conclusions on your own, but um, you can kind of see it coming and uh, doesn't take anything away from it as far as I'm concerned, but, it, you know, it's still there. And you come to find out that he had been approached by Aunt Jane at some point in his past after a monster concert that he gave and he was infected with the gray and he got the joy version of the gray. um, So he could exist in the world kind of normally, you know, seemingly unaffected um, and spread the message. Uh, One of the people that he infects with the gray is uh, Lily's mother. uh, And she ends up in kind of a, uh, like a nursing home, like a care center for people with the gray because she gets the first version of the gray. So while they are there uh, and this is where the end of the book, this is kind of a bit of a minus for me is that everything at the end of the book happens very quickly. Um, I would have liked to have seen more of it fleshed out um, to not for explanations, but to feel more of the gravity of kind of what's happening because the quickness in which it's written kind of, takes away from some of the series um and the way lily makes her discovery about the interconnectedness of humanity and what's brought to the council on the lazarene uh these kind of like you know the leaders of the lazarene and what there's what they're going to do with peter and lily who peter is cured of the gray by lily in the Echo Lands, and he has this about face and he kind of becomes a good person again, even though he knows he's a terrible person, but he wasn't really acting as himself because of the gray, a lot of that stuff. Um, and she convinces, she tells the council that the only way to save humanity at this point, after aunt Jay has this world affecting attack that happens, uh, is to allow people into the echo lands. Now the attack itself that, uh, Jane does is uh, the gray has touched all of these different people, including military leaders and things like that. So they essentially, she calls it the pyre and the pyre um, destroys all or like 99.5% of all um, global communications. You know, satellite dishes are destroyed underwater telecommuting lines, like, you know, internet lines all of this stuff is, is severed. And, um, each continent essentially becomes an Island and everybody is disconnected from everybody. And the goal is to outside of just separating people, but to get people to stop caring and let the world burn. Um, but Lily's discovery of the interconnectedness of the, the forests of the echolands, um, as she, Describes it to the council is the solution to really bring people together. And she suggests that they open a door to the echo lands in different parts of the world and allow people in to um tangibly grasp the things that are most important by touching these trees and experiencing their memories and and things like that. And uh the interconnectedness of humanity. Because that's what makes us human, is how we interact in, in some instances and how we you know, love each other and, you know, raise children, learn things, hold on to culture, expand all kinds of things. Um, and the messaging there was brilliant. Uh, you know, I love that. That's kind of what this book is about. It, it's, it's a facet of the world that we live in. But I think the way that it's written, it happened so quickly. And the council is left with this decision that we don't really see them mull over too much. They just agree to it. You know, the chapter starts, you know, the next one and they agree to it. And people are allowed to go in the world starts to change. People start to change. People who had the gray are now coming out of it. And, you know, there's the malaise of the world is kind of lifting, uh, even though things uh, physically are are bad, kind of everywhere. Um, And it's not really something that's addressed at the end of the book is how the world is healing itself, aside from people's conditions and things like that. you know, countless works of arts libraries around the world. Um, These centers of information and technology are all destroyed. Um, And, you know, aunt Jane is successful in her plans. Um, And there really isn't a lot of um, explanation as to what happens afterwards. Just that, you know, humanity is better because the gray doesn't exist anymore. And, and, a part that kind of made me scratch my head a little bit is, you know, there is no longer story for Jane afterwards. She does all of these terrible things. She's successful. She then goes into one of the doors into the echo lands and finds her tree. And it is, um, ensnared by all of these other trees of all the lives of the people that she affected negatively. And, um, you know, all of the trees in this world are are blue, different shades of blue. People then have the gray, the trees are gray. And some trees are kind of orange, sickly kind of color. And that's what hers is. She touches the tree. Um, and then she dies. It's just, it's just written that, that she died. And, you know, you could say she is overcome with the grief and the guilt of all the lies that she had destroyed. Um, and it was overwhelming. But um, a little bit more descriptive wording for that what I think would have helped me a little bit because it just kind of it just it felt like it just happened Um, and that was it you know there didn't really uh, I mean yes she dies but there didn't really seem to be any lasting real world repercussion for her there was no um, questioning of who she was she was just she was just bad Um, and I I know I just think for my part I would have liked to have had a little something more uh, for her and some kind of comeuppance besides just death um it just felt kind of quick and easy um and you know the book ends with you know the world's in a better place and the lazarine uh the people of the, of the lazarine go off like how they had planned on and kind of leave earth um and go to these other places and the kind of central hub of the lazarine is it's all essentially I don't want to say self-destructs, but allows itself to be to fall apart, fall to the bottom of the ocean, and there's all of these safeguards in place so that none of the technology can be discovered and reused. Um, but there is one central part of it that goes on, which is the endless vessel. Um, so I don't know if there'll be more of this world with these characters. Um, I uh, wouldn't mind it, you know, continuing on and see what what else could be there. But I can also see this being a standalone book on its own. So um, that's it, guys. That That's the endless vessel. Um, so if you stay till the end and I spoiled it for you because you wanted to know, there's still a lot of things that I left out in this book. Um, I do, I would still, most of the time you're going to hear me say that I would recommend a book because I think just we should be reading more just in general. Um, if you have the time to do it and if you don't, you know, audiobooks are the way to go. I you know, listened to this book while I was at work. Um, the performance of the book was, was very well done. So, um, I'd say go check it out. You know, Endless Vessel, like I said, by HarperCollins Press, it is, uh, out in bookstores. It's been out for a couple of weeks. Charles Soule is currently on a book tour. So if you happen to catch him in some of the cities, uh, where he is at, um, go do so. You know, he was fun to meet, um, at C2E2 in March. And, um, he has said that if you have other things written by him, he will sign those. So if you have some of the star Wars books or comics and you want to, uh, get his, uh, signature on those things, he will do that for you. So that's going to start to wrap it up, um, for this episode of jammed transcriptions, guys. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope if you, uh, decide to read this book that you get, um, you get out of it, what it intends to give you in that, you know, anything that I might've said here, doesn't solely your experience with the book. Because I do, like I said, I do want people to read this and, and read more stuff. So, um, I would say, uh, go grab a copy, grab the audio book. Uh, let me know if you've read it and you want to put some, um, your thoughts in the comments of this, or you want to send me an email, you can do that. Um, uh, guys, all the links for all of that stuff is at jammed transmissions.com. Um, including links to my socials uh, at Cad Bains Bounty on Twitter and Instagram, and the show uh, at JTComLink on Twitter and Hive, and at Jam Transmissions on Instagram. All of that stuff is there, um, including links. A link to the T Public Store for Jam Transmissions. Uh, I do have two new shirts up there that I talked about the last episode. Uh, I did order them for myself to see how they came out, and uh, they came out pretty good. I gotta say, the shirt looks pretty dope. Uh, the hoodie's pretty nice. Um, I'll be wearing then colder, colder weather, but it's summertime guys. And, uh, I think I want to get outside and do some stuff. So please remember to rate and review the show, review listening, especially on the Apple thingies or on Spotify. Um, and, uh, again, if you guys have any things that you want to discuss about this book, don't, uh, don't hesitate to hit me up. Uh, I have no problems talking about these things. Um, once they are in out in the world and things like that. So I don't think I'm forgetting anything. We'll see what happens over the next couple of weeks. I know we got some plans for some stuff leading to Ahsoka. That'll be out uh, just in, what, two months, a month and a half ish, somewhere around there. Um, yeah, guys, lots and lots of fun stuff. Always comics, always books. You can find me doing quick shots for Broaxian with my son from time to time. You can check out the YouTube stuff. Again, the links for all of that is at the website at jamtransmissions.com. So until next time, guys. I will say, may the force be with you.